0: Welcome to the Pac-Man podcast, patriotic American citizen. I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. A lot of stuff to get to here. We're going to begin with uh, a story about the Biden crime syndicate. We all know about the evidence of the uh, the Biden family sleaze. I'm reading in the New York Post that the Justice Department and the FBI have been trying to cover this up. And I mean, that's not big news. I mean, it is big news, but it's not new. We know the FBI and the and the Justice Department have been covering for specifically Hunter Biden and probably for the president as well. But there's this bombshell letter the Post has uh, aired today or put in its edition to the AG, Merrick Garland, and FBI Director Christopher Wray. And it's uh, Chuck Grassley who wrote the letter. He alleges that top justice and FBI officials repeatedly, this didn't happen once, wasn't an accident, but repeatedly over the course of years, moved to shut down any investigations into the Biden family malfeasance. He and Grassley claims more than 40 confidential sources provided criminal information related to Hunter Biden and others in the Biden family to the FBI. Those cla- uh, cases were rapidly closed. And they all, you know, the FBI and Justice, they chalked everything up to foreign disinformation. In other words, the Russians did it. We've been through that for years, since Hillary it's all a Russian plot. But it's in the New York Post if you want to read it. I'm not going to read it to you. But for again, per the senator, the FBI's Washington Field Office's Foreign Corrupt Practices Act squad began investigating this uh, Mikola Solevsky. He's the owner of the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma Holdings back in 2016 when Joe Biden was still VP. A year later, a source referred to Hunter Biden being on the board of Burisma Uh, which uh, the handling agent deemed at the time non-relevant information to the ongoing criminal financial case. Non-relevant. In other words, it's, you know, just a Russian uh, plan to sink the Bidens. More Russian disinformation. It's unbelievable what's happening. The FBI and justice. Here, they got Trump. How many times has Trump been indicted? I think four times. Trump said to uh, recently in a speech, he was doing a rally. He said, you know, Al Capone got indicted only once, and I've been indicted four times already, over nothing, basically. But anyway, it's in the New York Post if you want to check it out. In other news, Israel's war against Hamas entering phase two. There are calls for Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, to institute a ceasefire against Hamas. And, you know, he said today, and I'm paraphrasing, I don't have the exact quote, he said, America wasn't held to a ceasefire after the attack on Pearl Harbor, or after 9-11. So why should we be held to a ceasefire? There'll be no ceasefires, according to Netanyahu. Hamas is blocking the exits of foreign citizens who are trapped in Gaza. Rockets are being fired from Lebanon and Syria. Those rocket attacks have intensified. The uh, president, or if you can call him president, of Turkey, Erdogan, is threatening to declare war on Israel. I mean, this, this this can't end well. It's certainly not going to end well for Hamas. That we know. And there are calls from the usual suspects to defeat the colonialists and the imperialists, which would be America and Israel, obviously. But, but around the world, there are these disturbing headlines. There's a mob storming Russian, a Russian airport looking for Jews. I'm looking at Drudge here. Students clashing north of Tel Aviv. Black Hebrews beaten in Chicago. Also here in the States, threats against Cornell students reported to the FBI. No no doubt these are Jewish students. You know, this is not like anything we've seen in recent years. There have been several Arab-Israeli wars, but this one could be the war to end all wars. I hope it doesn't come to that, because obviously uh, we know how that's going to end. It's not going to end well for Israel's enemies, for sure. Another bombshell from the New York Post. The Post has unleashed an expose that can be described as only shocking this it's an indictment of George Soros and his son Alex the the, uh, the pair through their open society foundations have been funneling millions of dollars into these radical left-wing organizations including pro-hamas groups that are trying to wipe out israel or calling for the eradication of israel since 2016 according to the post it's estimated the soroses have been pumping in over 15 million dollars into these organizations. One of the primary recipients is the Tides Center, a left-wing so-called advocacy group, which received $13.7 million of Soros money. This group sponsors several controversial nonprofits that have openly called for Israel's destruction. They've justified Hamas's terrorist attacks. One such beneficiary... Adala Justice Project took to Instagram with a photo of a bulldozer tearing down Israel's border fence alongside anti-Israel statements. Another recipient, Desis Rising Up and Moving, received $30,000 in 2020 and co-sponsored a rally in which 139 people were arrested. So it's clear the Soros funding is used to support terrorist organizations not just anti-Israel organizations, but they're pro-terrorist. And this article, again, in the New York Post, also brings to light that Open Society Foundations awarded a million and a half dollars to Adala, the Legal Center for Arab Minority Rights, in Israel. And I'm looking down further into this story, these other Soros-backed groups like Jewish Voice for Peace and, if not now, Received $650,000 and 400 grand, respectively. Now, you might ask, you know, how is a group like Jewish Voice for Peace calling for the destruction of Israel? But it is. They're blaming Israel for the attacks, not Hamas. Jewish Voice for Peace. A lot of these left-wing groups are run by Jews. Soros is Jewish. So why is he supporting the destruction of, of Israel? or groups that are calling for Israel's destruction. It makes no sense to me. Former city councilman, New York City councilman, David Greenfield, who now heads the uh, Metropolitan Council on Jewish Poverty, has called out Soros' funding. He challenges Soros' group to make a choice. Do they support the liberation of Palestinians or the elimination of Jews? I think it's evident. Follow the money. Money talks, BS walks, as the old saying goes. Since 1984, again, we'll finish up here, on this New York Post piece, the uh, Open Society Foundations and related nonprofits have doled out over thirty-two billion dollars worldwide. You know, and Soros is funding all these radical DAs here in the states, all across the country, especially this guy in New York City, this Alvin Bragg, trying to trying to sink Donald Trump. I mean, uh, I don't I don't understand it. All right, on to some other things here. Uh, you know this. This is a, a a really sad story. I heard a woman this morning on a local talk show, speaking on the passing of actor Matthew Perry from an apparent accident. He was fifty-four, which is young. Now that I'm sixty-four, fifty-four is you know looking pretty good. But he had addictions. He was addicted to drugs and alcohol, and his demons finally got the better of him. But a local woman called the talk show, and she was she was saying basically, "Who cares about Matthew Perry?" Who cares what, Who cares about him? Why is his death more important than other people's? You know, I can understand her point to a point. But it's sad when people are obviously suffering as he was. And being an actor, I, you think a lot of people in Hollywood are in trouble. They really can't make it in the real world. Their world is a world of make-believe. And he was a fine actor. I mean, I, ne- I never watched an episode of Friends, but I, he was great in everything else he did. He did a, a couple episodes of uh, The West Wing. I think in the early two thousands or late nineties, early early two thousands, and he he played a lawyer, and he was great. I never really understood Friends, the romantic comedy, which really wasn't funny in in my view. But my wife was saying Thursday nights were the bomb in the nineties. Thursday night television was you had uh, you had Friends, then you had um, what was the other one? Not Cosby. I think Cosby may have been on Thursdays as well. It was Friends. It was Frasier. And I think CSI, she was saying. It was a great night of television. So he was found over the weekend, was Matthew Perry, in a hot tub. I guess he drowned. No signs of any foul play. Initial reports said there were no drugs found in his system or uh, at the scene. Now reports are saying there were numerous drugs found at the scene. So you really can't believe everything you you hear and read initially. That's why there are investigations. You know, I, I was listening to an NPR interview uh, with Matthew Perry some years back, and I guess he was getting a handle on his addictions. And the interviewer, I think it was NPR, sounded like it was, but they asked Perry about alcohol and what alcohol did for him. We know what it did to him eventually, but he said that when he drank, he didn't get woozy like other people. We get woozy and, and tipsy and silly. When when he drank, things made sense to him. The world made sense. So he said, why would you not want that feeling? So that's what alcohol did for him. Obviously, it helped to lead to his demise. But there was an Instagram post by David Harris, who's a conservative blogger and uh, podcaster. And uh, he put this on there with a picture of Matthew uh, Perry. And I guess Perry said, God, please help me. He he was telling, uh, he was conveying this to an interviewer. Please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here, God. Please help me. Perry said, I started to cry. I mean, I really started to cry. That shoulder shaking kind of uncontrollable weeping. I wasn't crying because I was sad. I was crying because for the first time in my life, I felt okay. I felt safe, taken care of. Decades of struggling with God and wrestling with life and, and sadness all was being washed away like a river of pain gone into oblivion. I had been in the presence of of God. I was certain of it. In this time, I had prayed for the right thing, help. Eventually, the weeping subsided, but everything was different now. I stayed sober for, for two years, based solely on that moment. God had shown me a sliver of what life could be. He'd saved me that day, and for all days, no matter what. He had turned me into a seeker, not only of sobriety and truth, but also of Him. And there were comments uh, left underneath this post here. It was on Instagram. I saw it. And uh, he said everything was different. And I put that his pain is now gone. He is at peace. He is at rest. And hopefully he is with the Lord. It's a a sad story all the way around. Too many people die this way. They think there is no hope. Only drugs or alcohol or whatever other addiction uh, they're uh, burdened by. But life is so fragile. It's tough enough to live a, a long life as it is without, you know, making it any more difficult. Matthew Perry, uh, dead at 54, unfortunately. One final story here. and we'll, uh, we'll close it up. By the way, if you like this program, if you like what you're hearing thus far, please hit like, hit subscribe, because we do need subscribers. And uh, so hit the, uh, the little bell. And subscribe to this program, and you'll be notified of every new show that drops, whether it's uh, on Wednesdays, as it normally is, or maybe on on the weekends as well. And uh, share with your friends on social media, the Pac-Man Podcast, with me, Ted Flint. This judge, Roger Benitez, out in California, I guess he's done it again. He's known for his strong rulings favoring the Second Amendment, in California, no less. He favors the Second Amendment and its rights over government restrictions. We need more of him, especially here in New York, in a state that's hard left. We have these hard left judges nominated by Democrats. It's a democratic state. Judges are all democratic. And the judges put their stamp of approval on every single gun law that the governors of New York, they're all Democrats, sign. Governors sign these bills, passed by the Assembly and Senate, pass them into law, and the and the, uh, the s- judges put their stamps of approval on them. Not in California. Benitez has now ruled in Miller versus Bonta that California's assault weapons ban is unconstitutional. Obviously a major victory for gun rights advocates and hopefully the first step in ridding the nation of these uh, onerous bans because they're unconstitutional in most cases. But, you know, it's not over because it doesn't mean Californians can just go out and buy an an AR-15. California will certainly appeal and judge benitez has imposed a 10 day stay on his decision to give the state time to do just that so we'll see how the appeal uh, goes but it's not a it's the, uh, the decision runs 79 pages so i'm not going to read the dec- i don't have the decision in front of me but in his ruling judge benitez he cited the heller decision in 2008 he wrote that americans have an individual right to keep and bear arms he goes on further with heller's argument that the Second Amendment guarantees the individual right to possess and carry weapons in case of confrontation. Good for him. Judge Benitez out in California. All right, that's going to wrap things up. Again, if you like what you heard, hit like, hit uh, subscribe and share and tell your friends about the Pac-Man podcast and all the fine programming we have for you here on the BMG Network. We do this at least once a week. We have my daughter, Madeline. She does a show at, at least once a week. She's very busy in her, her studies at SUNY Albany. She does The Essentials with Maddie Flint. And Adrian Ross does a program. <clears throat> we have some fine podcasters up there on the BMG Network. Check them out. Check out the uh, the occasional columns that uh, I write probably every couple of weeks. When the Spirit Moves Me, under the pack perspective check it all out the bmgnetwork.com if you want to contact me directly it's pacman p-a-c-m-a-n at the Network.com. all lowercase thanks for tuning us in and if the lord wills it we will talk to you soon the pacman podcast was produced and edited in the bmg studio music by kevin mcleod